Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava, and I'm joined by our newest colleague today, Veronica. Um, she's going to be joining us and Jesse Wong as well. So today we have a special guest, Jesse Wong. Jesse is a regional director for Vancouver at Myodetox. And this is a company that's making some waves in the physiotherapy space right now. Jesse is making sure that continues to be that way. Jesse is one of our amazing female leaders in our profession, and we really wanted to talk to her about her role as a leader and her journey up until this point. Um, so it's time to get down to business. Jesse, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for that intro. I love that. Making waves. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially at this time right now, uh, with all the COVID stuff going around. But uh, Jesse, can you tell us about your journey in physiotherapy up until this point and how you got to be the regional director of Myo Detox? I think for a lot of people, it's very similar of how they got into physio. I, you know, my exposure to physio was really like, I was in high school, I sprained my ankle, went to go see a physio. And I was intrigued to know that this was an option for me. I knew that I wanted to be in the healthcare industry. I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't like blood. I didn't love all that icky stuff. And so as a result, I figured I combined my passion with, you know, being in the healthcare field, but still my love for sports is, was still there. So just combining those two things. And originally when I went into physio school, I actually said that I wanted to work in the hospital with a geriatric population. And I went through the program and it turns out it wasn't really my forte. It was not something I loved to do. And um, being in the hospital setting, um, what I found was really frustrating was, you know, when you try your best to make sure people are safe and doing their exercises and, you know, being educated. And then you have someone else on the other side, like we need this bed. It's cost us like $2,000 per bed and you need to like discharge this person. And it just felt very bureaucratic. And I, I wanted to be in a setting where I felt like people wanted to get better. And I figured private practice was a good start for that matter. And um, there was a lot that I felt like I could offer and not to say that the hospital setting, um, isn't important. It's definitely very, very valuable. And we can see that even right now. Um, it just wasn't for me. Um, so when I graduated from UBC in 2011, my first uh, job was actually at a place called uh, Physio Room. And that was owned by Nick Lowe. And he was on your podcast previously. And like any new grad, I was so excited for everything that was shiny and exciting. And you know, he had brand new equipment and it was a brand new clinic and it was very modern for that time. And I was just ready to like put my head down and hustle. And I don't know if a lot of new grads would be willing to do this, but I, I basically moved like 10 minutes away from the clinic and I hauled ass. Like essentially if someone called in for 7 a.m. appointment, I would take it. If it was noon, I would take it. If it was 7 p.m., I would take it. And I would work these like 12-hour days, six days a week, whenever I needed, just to build that caseload because at that time there was there was no one else 
there and essentially uh, we had no connections at all. And so that was my first introduction to private practice. And I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of hard <laughs> to build up a caseload. But after a year, it was, you know, I started to get more confident. Um, my caseload was getting better. Uh, you know, after, you know, a few years, though, I figured, you know what, I'm starting to kind of go through the same changes. And it was like deja vu where it's like, oh, we're in, you know, Christmas time. And I'm going through the same thing of telling my patients, like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm come back in a few few weeks and whatnot. And it just felt like I was going through the motions of doing the same thing over and over again. I thought, can I do this for another 65 years or 60 years until I, maybe not 65, but like 40 years until I retire. And I was actually really worried about this. And I thought, is this it? Like, is this all it is? Um, because I figured, you know, it was great for the first couple of years, but I felt like I hit a little bit of a ceiling, you know, three years out, I hit the highest I could be with percentage split and how it was done that back in the day. Um, and I knew that I had still had lots to learn, but I was a little bit concerned about my growth within that profession. And a lot of people actually don't know this, but I actually ventured out on my own and did something completely on my own, I started my own clinic and I just wanted to see what it was like. Um, and I figured it was, it was what I needed to do regardless of whether I succeeded or not. I just needed to challenge myself. And it wasn't until, you know, a couple of months into it, I realized like it's a lot of work and it was very lonely at the time. And it wasn't something that I, I like working in a team and I thrive working in a team. And so just having that really, really difficult conversation with uh, Nick Lowe at that time. So he was like kind of my, my boss, I guess you think about it that way. Um, and just having that conversation with him of like, hey, look, this is what I want to be able to do. Can you help me with that? Um, and at that time, like his Main Street Clinic physio room was like his baby. And I know he's worked really hard for it. So for him to like share that was really challenging. Um, but you know, we were able to kind of uh, figure something out and we were going to have our next clinic together. We were going to open it together. Um, and that was around 2016. And it, uh, it took three years for that clinic to open. And that just opened last year. And it went through many changes. We had originally called it Perform. And then that's when we actually had that conversation the year after of um, joining Mayo detox at that time so that's the physio part of it and um, and then I ended up doing um, being a clinic director at our Main Street lo location and our Oak Street location and having my foot in more of a leadership position um, you know to be honest like for me I've always been that, that silent type where I'm willing to put in the hard work but I'm not like in your face. I'm not super loud. It's more of like a silent leader. Um, and when I was asked to maybe trial becoming a clinic director, I had a lot of sleepless nights. I was worried about whether I can do it, um, whether or not I was good enough. And I had worked with a lot of colleagues who were, you know, I worked with a long time or they had more experience than I do. And I didn't feel like I was capable of doing it. So there was a lot of self-doubt at that time. 
Um, and then lastly, funny enough, I hated public speaking. I had to take this 12 week course on how to speak in front of people. And I was worried about having these like little team meetings because I just like, it would make me sweat. But after those 12 weeks, it was still tough, <laughs> but doing it over and over again, it made it just so much easier. Um, but now here I am talking in front of a whole bunch of people and um, hopefully someone's listening. <laughs> but I, I, it was something that I truly wanted to, wanted to be better at. And I always admired those who can give a riveting speech. So it's something that I've been working really hard at and uh, it's gotten a little bit better. I'm definitely not as, as frightened as I used to be. Um, so doing that clinic director for about a year and a half and now I'm the regional director. So I oversee um, our six clinics in Vancouver and um, it's been about over a year. And this is probably what I thought last year was my ch most challenging year. But I think this year, even though we're just in April, this is probably going to be the most challenging year with, with the pandemic going on. Um, but that's kind of leading to where we are now. Um, just kind of building off some of those, it sounds like you kind of had to build into that leadership role or at least get comfortable with it. Um, but that you always kind of had those aspirations. Is there anything specifically that you kind of look for in a leader, like to become an effective leader or in leaders that you want to work with? I think this last three weeks, there have been, there's been a lot of um, great examples within the team that I work with in terms of their leadership styles that, you know, it, it really, it really shined over the last little while. And um, I think every single person, regardless of what their role is, has the potential to become a leader and is a leader. Um, and it's quite fascinating during this time how yeah, every single person stood up um, in their own respect. And I think, I think number one is the communication portion. Um, just one week, even before we decided to close our clinics because of the pandemic, we had put out a ton of announcements. Um, we were spending a lot of time in the back end, making sure that people were, we were fielding a lot of concerns doing our research and almost over communicating like way more than we would use like usually. Um, and, and during the time where it's like so fearful and there's so much uncertainty, um, it was important that, uh, we stepped up as leaders just to be like a solid pillar, um, just making ourselves available, taking phone calls, you know, taking, answering Slack messages as needed. Um, over our last three weeks, you can kind of actually see the process of what we were considering, the impact it would have, and how we came to the decision of like, you know, at that time, like physically closing. Um, so communication was a big thing. Um, having empathy, like people were scared at that time. Um, they were honestly so worried about them getting sick, um, transmitting that to their, you know, their grandparents who were also sick. Um, so just being empathetic um, and really taking their suggestions seriously um, and being decisive. It's like, you know, and, and honest, like this is what we're thinking. This is what we think think we should do this is what we're going to do okay then this is how we're going to carry on and um, really sticking to those values 
yeah, I think it was, it was, it was good to see that from everyone on the team and also some, having a sense of calmness and reassurance. Okay. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely important in a time like this, just to be the beacon that everybody else relies on. Um, but Jesse, you mentioned one interesting thing that you alluded to the fact that you're more of a quiet leader and, um, could you comment on that a little bit? How do you go about being a quiet leader and what are some of the um, aspects that go along with it when you have to lead a large team? Um, when I think of being a quiet leader is that I don't, um, like during meetings, for instance, I like to listen. I like to actively kind of just hear what everyone else thinks first and kind of soak that in before mm -hmm. I, you know, make my, you know, my have my communication up to the rest of the team. Um, from what I've heard from other people is that, you know, I, when I speak, it's, it's meaningful, um, but not necessarily like, I like to be concise and I like to be meaningful with my words. And so, um, but at, at the end of the day, I could still lead a team and I, and it doesn't need to be like someone that's really like boisterous and, um, sometimes when I think of a leader, I think of like a very like loud person, kind of like Trump actually. And I'm not not the greatest of leaders to, of, of examples, but uh, um, it doesn't need to always be someone that's like loud and in your face kind of thing. I think you can lead by example, and you can lead um, by you can lead by empowering your team instead, and they can be your voice. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that seems like a really interesting, I feel like, for sure, a lot of the people that tend to kind of seem like leaders at first, or more obviously, are like the louder people or the people that are more likely to speak first in a crowded room. So that seems like a good approach. And I feel like as more so as like a new grad or someone coming into a clinic, that person who's going to listen to you really is you're going to build a better rapport with, mm -hmm. have more interactions with, I guess. Um, I just wanted to know, like, as a regional manager, I guess you kind of seem like one step removed from like what's going on in the clinic and how are you able to kind of measure the team success if you're not there every day seeing all the different clinicians working or how the actual place is running in person? We spent a lot of time over the last little while making sure that everyone on the floor, everyone at the clinic um, feel supported. So that's the the therapists and the um, what we call guest experience uh, coordinators. So they're like our, our front end staff, um, just making sure that they feel equipped and making sure that they have the tools and the power to make their own decisions. Um, once that's once we've established that, then we have another layer of like clinic directors who can help oversee all of that. And my my communication is really. Um, the clinic directors and having a lot of trust in them and making sure that they um, they feel like they're ready to take on their own clinic and their team and which includes the therapist and the clinic uh, the, 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 the therapist and the guest experience uh, coordinators um, so there a lot of it's like starting from the bottom and working our way up versus like top down um, so making sure that yeah the everyone on the floor feels feels um, empowered in that sense so they don't have to always like go upstream 
to make decisions, or at least that's our goal right now. Um, and we always have this saying of like, if it's good for you and if it's good for the company, then do it. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> that, way, that way decisions can be made a little bit faster because I think as you start to grow and if you're in a bigger corporation, it, it makes it more challenging to like have those small decisions be made. And the last thing we want to do is like be a bottleneck to that. So yeah, empowering everyone else is, is really important to make sure that uh, we optimize our performance because there's only so much that you can do on top. Um, and it's, it's hard for everyone um, to understand why certain things are made. And especially when you're so far removed, you don't know what's happening. Like you can't make those decisions effectively. So you have to listen to everyone that's actually working in the clinic. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tim Ferriss actually alluded to that problem uh, in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, where he was, creating his supplement company he gave his uh, managers the power to uh, refund any orders within $200 so that anything 200 or below they could take care of it on their own and anything above they might have to consult them so it's empowering your people to make those decisions and having faith in them right which is really important yeah. um, but specifically for you Jesse um, what do you think is the number one characteristic that you measure team performance by? Like, how do you know that your team is successful when they're um, at mile? Um, I would say right now the the willingness to kind of put others first. Um, this example kind of came up over the last several weeks where I was just floored by the amount of um, – the amount of people who were willing to put other people first before um, worrying about their own situation. Although obviously that's still important to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself, but also um, my team has always been like, Hey, how can I help out? They're always asking and reaching out to, to our clinic directors and, and myself in terms of um, being able to contribute. And I think that takes a lot of, like to me, that's success. That's, that's, that's everyone else stepping up without us asking them to do everything. It's like them taking that leadership role and them uh, taking ownership of what they want to do. For sure. I feel like that's like, it shows that they're invested too and kind of buy in. It's not just they're being like told what to mm -hmm. do. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, just going to kind of jump back to your original story. It kind of sounds like you were working really closely with Nick to kind of get your own clinic started um, and get where you are now. Um, I'm assuming he was like at least some kind of mentor. I was wondering what you look for in a mentor to help um, kind of get where you're going or if you mentor other people, I'm assuming like what you kind of give back to people or what kind of traits you try to portray. Yeah, I've um, I've worked pretty closely with with Nick over the last ten years or so, and he thinks very differently than I do. And I I think it's really easy to kind of be set in your own ways and have a certain way of thinking. Um, and working alongside someone like Nick, who's very creative, um, and and very different from your typical physio. I think most physios are very like type A. 
like the organizations, like their books are full of those like little sticky notes that are very well laid out. And Nick's like, his is like all over the place. Um, so it's <laughs> not to like throw him under the bus or anything, but he's, um, he's kind of shown me a different perspective in terms of looking at physio um, therapy and business all put together and kind of connecting those things. Um, and as a result, it's, it's made me more open to different ideas, even though they make make me feel uncomfortable, like, Oh, that's very bold. Um, but I think for the most part, it's, it's been very positive and, um, it's just a different lens and I appreciate different perspectives. And for myself, I try to help people also see it in different ways. And when I help lead other, when I help lead teams, um, I try to kind of, you know, have my perspective, but also be open to different ideas. Um, I love the whole mentorship idea. Like I see a lot of young therapists who are just eager to get out there and even even if they're not even therapists, like just high school students. Um, in my posts on Instagram not too long ago, like I, I will take hours out of my day just to make sure I have um, a coffee or, you know, someone can shadow me at the clinic because I think it's quite valuable to give back. And I had that growing up. Um, I was really impressed, you know, a couple of weeks ago before this all happened, I had a 15 year old shadow me and she sat me down with her dad and asked me for half an hour what it's like to be a physio. And, and like, I had never seen that being 15 and having the intuition to like ask about a profession that she's potentially interested in. And then we set up another date and then she actually came in and saw like how we did things. And this is a former patient. So she's, she's seen parts of it, but, um, but she didn't realize, like, I, I don't usually needle her. So, like, she saw that some physios needle. Some physios do vestibular work. Some physios do, like, just the jaw and just the hand, pelvic floor, whatever it may be. So it really opened up her eyes. Um, and just knowing that you could potentially change someone's career or, like, their path in life, I think it's, it's, it's worth it to take your time out and um, nurture that creative mind. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy potentially shaping the, the next generation of physios. hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, Nick has also helped shape our minds as well. It's all those, uh, coffee shop talks about <laughs> the five-year rule with the physio. How once you hit the ceiling, you don't know where to go and, uh, which you have experienced yourself, right? Yeah. Oh and, yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly and even to the point where uh how he tried to teach us some of the mayo kind of techniques to explain about um how they teach it's very interesting it's very important in our profession especially and it's awesome that we see that on a consistent basis um the one uh thing that i notice in the way that you talk about your team uh you measure their performance more in the intangibles right how mm-hmm. people care for each other, how they're able to be responsive in the, uh, to other people's needs and how they're able to get each other's back. Um, usually when we think about leadership, even people like Trump, right, he is very metrics oriented, right? How is the economy doing? Do we still have that trillion going on? 
Um, but <laughs> um, I was wondering in that sense, um, you've been exposed to a lot of people in our profession and to a lot of leaders as well. Have you noticed any uh, general differences between kind of male, male leaders in physiotherapy specifically versus female leaders in physiotherapy? Um, I think they possess similar uh, leadership qualities. Um, I've just noticed over the last few years for myself that there's been an uptick in more female physios taking on that like ownership ownership and business sorry business ownership hat <laughs> um, which is great to see um, I look up to a lot of the females who've taken that uh, that role um, I'm coming kind of coming up to a new stage in my life where I'm you know about to have a baby become a new mom and my biggest fear is not being able to has always been like not being able to do both um, I think it's always really scary to think that you have to choose one or the other. Um, um, but what I can see is that a lot of the women have given great example of that it, everything is possible. Um, in terms of, is there a difference between their leadership style? I would say it, it is hard to say because I, even between some of the, the males, um, some of them are a little bit more soft-spoken and some of them are a little bit more, um, what's the word? Animated, perhaps. <laughs> and they like to speak. <laughs> and so, it, but it goes both ways, right? I don't think there's like a huge difference between male and female, but um, generally with, with even within our company, I, I would say most of the females that I work with, they're more focused on like, let's perfect this, let's get this like ready to roll um, before we like present it to everyone. Whereas some of the, the male figures would like to like, oh, this is a great idea, let's just present it out to everyone. <laughs> um, but that's just kind of my, my quick general paint of um, the difference I see. But I think it's just great to see more, more females taking on that leadership role. Um, I have a really good example where when I was working with all the clinic directors and I'm working with quite a few. And, you know, last year we were opening up two new clinics and I felt really bad about not being able to um, talk to and spend time with each clinic director. And one of the male leaders in our company, um, Nathan Vanderkoop, he, he basically said to me, he's like, just think of it like your kids, like you love all your kids equally, but just very differently. And there are going to be times where your kids will need more of your attention during certain times. And those other kids will still understand that you still love them. And then eventually, once everything is settled down, you can still go back to those other kids and spend time with them. So you don't have to like equally spend the same amount of time for each clinic director, each child. It's going to vary. It's understandable. And I kind of take that to, to, what I do as a regional director, but also it's probably what I'm going to have to do when the baby comes is like, there's going to be times where I'm going to be able to spend time with my family. And there's going to be times where I'm going to be able to spend more time doing work related stuff. So there's never going to be like a perfect balance. Yeah, for sure. Um, just kind of building off some of those things as 
a female who like has it all, I guess, like <laughs> having a kid and like having your own clinic now and all that. Do you have any advice to like younger females kind of wanting to go down that leadership pathway, but might be a little bit scared on if they have to choose kind of thing? I think at the end of the day, like, um, I think it's always worth trying. I think you just never know unless you put yourself out there. And that was part of the reason of why I decided to take on the clinic director role and the regional director role was because I, I took some time to just imagine if I were, you know, a year from now and I look back in my life and I didn't do this, would I regret it? And every single time I was like, you know what, I would regret it. And it's just, that would eat me up personally. And so I, I always say like, even if you think you're going to fail or not fail or whatever it may be, and you have these hesitations and reservations about yourself, just try it. And if it doesn't work out, Hey, at least you tried it. And that's my biggest advice is just go for it. Cause you just never know what you're going to learn about yourself and nothing's ever a failure. <laughs> There's always something to learn. Yeah. I just had to change the perspective. <laughs> exactly. Change the yeah, narrative sure. that you tell yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and um when you are in that leadership position you're always going to be making mistakes right nobody's perfect and exactly. um, all you can do is just learn from them right um but jesse how are you going to keep evolving as a leader in the future uh because as a regional director mayo i'm sure you have a <laughs> very future path <laughs> as a leader so how are you gonna take your game to the next level well, I'm actually looking forward to the next few months because I'll be kind of passing the torch to my colleague, uh, Gilbert Park, who will be taking over the regional director role for me while I'm on mat leave. Um, I know he's going to be doing a good job at that, um, but it kind of gives me time to kind of reflect on what my next steps will be. Um, I honestly love this role. I, this is probably my favorite role so far and I'd love to come back to it. I have a great team that I, I get to work with every single day. Um, but I could see this moving forward to not just the Vancouver region. I'd like to kind of be able to develop that for other parts in Canada. Um, I've got to meet, I've had the pleasure to meet some of the other physios in and massage therapists and chiros in um, Calgary not too long ago. And that was kind of our plan was to kind of move um, into the Calgary space. But with everything happening, it's just been put on hold for now. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to for the next little while. Um, and the last thing is actually um, just talking about this, the, the mat leave thing. I, I think just one thing I wanted to touch on was it's, it's interesting seeing um, a lot of my other colleagues who are in private practice and females and they have to feel obligated to go back to work just because our industry kind of just puts us in a bit of a funny position where um, like we don't have, you know, your typical mat leave unless you're at the hospital and it is challenging and, um, and it's somewhat unfortunate if they don't feel like they're ready. Um, but I'd love to be in a situation where all, all female physios um, can go back whenever they feel ready and still feel supported. And I'm lucky to be in a situation where my colleagues understand where I'm coming from. And um, the last thing I want is to pressure myself back into work and commit to a role where I really can't do my best. And 
you know, I work with a lot of dedicated and ambitious people. And yes, I admit that uh, we got to where we are based off of that hustle mentality and those long hours. And, um, but what we're actually trying to do right now is uh, set examples for the rest of the team. And um, we're trying to live by our brand essence, which is like that longevity piece where we're trying to practice what we're preaching and taking care of ourselves in whatever form that looks like, whether it's, you know, making time for your family and not responding to emails all the time and going for runs and whatever that may be. We're, we're trying to really preach that. Although sometimes it's been challenging because you're so motivated to just like get things done. Um, But it's, it's important that we kind of portray that to our team so that they can understand that it's uh, this is a long game that we're playing, not this isn't a sprint. And if we go too hard, too fast all the time, it's, we're going to burn ourselves out. Yeah, for sure. It seems like it's easy to forget about yourself sometimes. Absolutely. Everything that's um, going on. Um, I was just wondering, this is kind of off track, but because you're part of like a bigger um, chain of clinics, um, the returning to map leave a bit later, is that something that's kind of within your clinic or is that something that you kind of fought for on your own or... Like, is it something that you're trying to develop into the company or more so is it an individual basis? I think it starts off individual, kind of like showing the ropes and kind of leading, blazing that path yourself. But I would love to have that for not only our clinic, but just setting it the stage for the rest of the the industry, whatever that looks like. I don't know what that's going to look like, but, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, for me, I think that's so important because it's at the end of the day, like we want to take care of ourselves and we want to take care of the therapists that are, you know, like physio is what, I don't know the percentage of female therapists are in Canada, but from what I went to school, it was like a very disproportionate amount. It was like mm-hmm. 80, 20. Yeah. I don't know what it is now, but About the same. there's yeah. a, there's a lot of female physios and we want to make sure we take care of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, um, I would love to see a change in that. I'm just not sure what that is. Yeah. Um, Mayo definitely is uh, a great company and I'm sure they will take care of all of your uh, females going on maternity leave, right? Because at the end of the day, in our landscape, it comes down to the clinic, right? How they want to take care of their people. And if it's a clinic that tries to squeeze every last uh, cent out of their physios, Obviously, uh, coming back from maternity leave might not be guaranteed, right? Because <laughs> that's a different approach and not an ideal one. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, in my you have amazing leaders, amazing individuals who will definitely support you throughout this journey. And congratulations on um, on your baby. Congratulations on everything. It's been awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And. Um, Jesse, it's been a fantastic podcast. Uh, we just wanted to, uh, since we are, you are in a business situation, you're in this whole business landscape, we wanted to know what's the one book that really helped you develop as a leader and as an entrepreneur as well. Um, actually, I'm going to give you two books because I like you guys Sounds so much. <laughs> so we actually give this book to everyone on our team. It is the 
start with why and it's the Simon Sinek and it's just really I think it really encompasses the bigger picture for a lot of people I think it's easy to kind of like apply for a job and you know go through the ropes of just going through day-to-day activities but you have to really ask yourself um, sometimes those tough questions of like why are you doing this at the end of the day Um, and what does what does it represent and so um, start with why is I think a crucial one and then um, the other book that really helped us kind of make that transition um, especially for Nick and I when we decided to transition to my detox was um, the five dysfunctions of a team and we actually had our leadership team which included the clinic directors and our um, guest experience managers um, all read that over the last couple of weeks and had them fill out um, what they thought um, areas that they can improve on with their team and um, it was it was great it was a great exercise I think it got a lot of um, um, a lot of it kind of like aired out some grievances if if that was the case and so it was like then we can have a fresh start and start all over again. Um, so those are the two books that I would recommend are Start With Why and Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I think that's been recommended by a lot of people too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely heard those. <laughs> yeah. But they're definitely good ones and like ones that you can keep coming back to, which is nice. Um, I just wanted to thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing your insights and a bit of your experience and how you got where you're going and showing, sharing some big goals, which is always nice to see. And especially as a new grad, having someone who's kind of done it all that you can kind of look up to is really amazing. So I just wanted to thank you so much for having us join you today and sharing a bit more of your story. I appreciate you guys for having me on. It seems like you guys have a good lineup already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Lots to be excited about. And just for listeners, Jesse, where can we find you on social media if they have some questions for you or want to reach out? Um, it is Jesse Wong Physio. I think that's my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Wong Physio. <laughs> and then you can find me um, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and uh and my email is jesse.wong at myodetox.com. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I'm sure they'll be able to reach you, ask some amazing questions <laughs> and potentially find a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. thank you so much. It's been a, an amazing podcast and uh, we wish you good luck. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.